The following podcast is brought to you by Astro Panda Productions. For more information or to find other great shows, visit astropandaproductions.com or visit the Astro Panda Productions page on blogtalkradio.com. Cast episode number 180. I am your host, Jeremy, and pretty soon here we'll be talking to Evan Quiring of Lucha Mysteries, published by Scattered Comics. I do want to say before we go to a commercial and introduce the guest, I'm really excited to be back to having comic creators on. It has been a while. Uh, as you know, in January, we kind of quit doing the live episodes for a while because my broadcast partner, Paul, was deployed with the United States Air Force, so we held back on that, and then through January and February, I had an uncle and a, my father both got ill and passed away in February, so my regular episodes fell off. So the only guests I was accepting there for a while were people who were actually coming to me and if I felt like a human being and could do it. But now we're a little bit later in the year. It's April. I'm feeling a little more human, and I appreciate you all coming back to check us out. We're going to catch a word from our sponsors real quick, and then we'll come back and meet Evan Quiring. All right, everybody, thank you for sticking in there. Uh, right now, I'm going to introduce Evan Quiring of Lucha Mysteries, which is published by Scattered Comics. What's happening, Evan? Uh, hey, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, no, just working on my second issue. Awesome. Right now. Well, it's, um, yeah. I, I was reading through your comic last night, and yeah. I was, the first thing I was struck by in the credits was that you write it, ink it, right? Yeah. Write it, pencil it, ink it, and letter it. Yeah, that's right. Um, so how, where did you first get turned on to comics? Let's start with that, and then we'll get into when you started doing all that other stuff. Mm, okay, um, let's see, first comics. Um, yeah, well, I guess, uh, yeah, when I was a kid, uh, I, I didn't really read superhero comics. Like, this was back in the in the 80s. Um, I really was really big into uh, Transformers, and, uh, yeah, Transformers comic I bought, and... Um, you know, the occasional superhero comic, um, I don't know, stuff like Little Hot Stuff or uh, Muppet Babies. I don't know, like I just, but it was mostly Transformers and just any kind of toy-related uh, uh, comic. And then um, and then eventually as I got older, like around, you know, 10, 10 years old, then I really got into superheroes, like into Marvel Comics and stuff, and then later on DC Comics, and then just... It just hadn't. It just kept going on and on. Yeah, that's that's podcasts and comics are kind of and wrestling are kind of like that in that yeah. if you're into it, you're into it, and you'll kind of search it out. And if you're not, you're really yeah. not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um. So to this day, are you are you more a Marvel or a DC guy, or do you have a favorite, or are you just kind of a fan in general? Um. I'm really. I, I like both equally. Um. There's it really I guess depends on who's writing and drawing it too. I, I and really overall like how the story is. Like um there's certain uh times like I really liked uh, Amazing Spider Man and then there was times I really liked um Justice League with like Keith Giffen and James oh, Demattis. Absolutely. Uh, and like that, um it was really great stuff. Uh there was stuff when Carl Kessel was writing Harley Quinn and the Dodsons were um were drawing it. I really like that. Um, so it really, um, depends, like, I don't really, like, seek out, like, names per se, but if something really catches on, then I'll, you know what I mean? Like, if it's just the overall story, the overall package, and if I like it, then I'll go with that. But yeah, I've never really been, a, a, a I'm a bit of both. Like, I like Marvel DC and any other publisher. Um, like, I like, um, Mage by Matt Wagner, mm-hmm. um, and Grendel, um, and yeah, so basically, oh, and Love and Rockets, which is probably my favorite comic oh, okay. book of all time. Yeah. The Hernandez brothers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and right now I'm reading um or collecting a book um from uh, what is it now? I can't remember the publisher's name, but it's called Night Wasp, and it's it's really good. <laughs> it's really funny. It, it's actually one of those comics that that makes made me laugh out loud. So it was it was and it's really well drawn too. Well, so. and what's it called? Uh, Night Wasp. Night Wasp. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, it's it, it's 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 a good read. I'll, I'll yeah. keep an eye so, out for that. Yeah, Justice League. Yeah. The yeah, the GIF in Justice League is one of my favorite periods of all time in comic books. Yeah, yeah, was, uh, and I uh, recently just uh, finally got around to reading um, like the follow up. Like it was like not necessarily the Justice League or, for, for, or formerly known as the Justice League. Just, and yeah, I, and yeah, I can't believe yeah. it's not the Justice League. Yeah, and it was like and and Kevin McGuire was drawing it, and it was just. Uh, I, yeah, like sometimes they're just like certain creative teams or whichever, like just it just works and it's just like the you know like the best stuff really. So, um, but yeah, like, I like that. Um, I didn't like all the their the Justice League stuff. Like I really wasn't crazy about Mister Nebula <laughs> or the Scarlet Ski. Oh, Scarlet Ski was okay, but um, yeah, you know, like that was kind of. But then there was other stuff that was great, like when Adam Hughes was like drawing it. Um, that was really good. So, well, yeah, they can't yeah. all be winners, you know. No, exactly. So yeah, you know. if if they never had bad issues, you'd never know what a good one looked like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know. Well, then, okay. So how did you? I mean, obviously now you write pencil, ink, and letter. Where? Mm-hmm. What did you? What did you want to do first? Were you writing first? Were you drawing first? What was your journey to actually doing comics? Um, I guess when I was like in the seventh grade and I was really into, uh, so that would have been like the late eighties. Uh, that's when like, you know, uh, the first Batman movie or like the Michael Keaton Batman yeah. movie came out. Um, and I really didn't know, I, I could draw a bit, maybe a little bit better than the other kids, but I was mostly like, you know, I'll be a writer cause I can't really draw as good as, you know, like I could do cartoony stuff, you know? Um, but then I, um, I, when I went to like a comic store here in Winnipeg, it was called Book Fair, and um, there was an ad, like a little flyer, and it said, tired of the drawing doldrums? Call me, um, and I'll teach you how to draw, like comics. And this guy's name was Bill McMahon, and uh, he's a comic book artist or a local comic book artist. And then uh, so I saw that, and I asked my, my mom and dad. It was like this guy, you know, because I, I was like in the seventh grade, and, you know, to I couldn't go to university yet or anything right. like that. And there wasn't, there wasn't like a heck of a lot of art programs uh, especially for comics, uh, back in like 1989. Um, so then, you know, my, my parents called them up and sort of did like a little background check and stuff like that. And then, yeah, so I'd like go to his, his place and take like little like art lessons. So, I mean, he basically just told like, that was like my foundation in drawing basically. It was like, okay, you start with, you know, you know, you start with a basic stick figure and then build it up from there. So I, I did that. Um, so then I was like, oh, I want to be a comic book artist. Um, so throughout like junior high, I was, I was determined, like by the time I graduated high school, I'm going to be, you know, a comic book artist. Uh, up until then, I went to a friend's house and they they were playing guitars. And then I decided I want to be in a rock and roll band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I was uh, te- learning how to draw uh, and learning how to. I, I took guitar lessons then and then because I really wanted to be in a band. So I was like, okay, by the time I get out of high school, I'm going to be in a band. <laughs> so it was, yeah, so that, that was kind of the um, the two things. Um, but eventually, um, uh, now that I'm like a lot older, I was kind of like, yeah, I think I like comics because I can get a lot more accomplished, um, you know, doing that. So, I mean, um, I can do some basic coloring, but I'm not as good as – you know, other guys. So, um, I, I might eventually do a book where I just do everything, but up until now, like I just figured my, my coloring's not to a quality that I really like it, you know? So I was like, well, I'll just like hire a colorist. And so went with that, um, but yeah, that, that was basically like the start of uh, me wanting to be a comic book uh, artist. And then, um, yeah, <laughs> that's basically where it all started. Okay. Well, and then I got to ask specifically yeah. about lettering because of all the small press uh, creators I've talked to, mo- mm-hmm. most of them are either completely caught off guard or come in with some previous knowledge. But lettering is one of the most important things in comic books that people normally mm-hmm. overlook. Yeah, yeah, it is, and I, uh, I basically learned it all the hard way. Now, just want to let everyone know I'm not like a professional letterer. I just do it because I, <laughs> I'm, I'm already paying a colorist. Um, so I'm always like looking up lettering tutorials and learning what not to do. Cause I, um, mm-hmm. I did some lettering for some other comics just to help some friends out and stuff. Um, you know, cause they're just like, I need this book lettered. And it was, it was like, okay. 
and uh but then they were they were actually like published creators and then the editor saw it and said absolutely not and i was like i was kind of like ah crap you know it's like i spent all this time but on the other hand it's like yeah they're absolutely right so back to the uh back to the internet yeah. <laughs> to learn some details so i mean i'm trying to like it's like okay well i'll just letter my own my own stuff but um i always like check out tutorials and just to keep myself updated and try to study it as much as i can so you know what i mean like it's not i'm not a professional letterer but uh i'd like to think i get the job done you know like it's well it's like okay it's legible the font's not a you know is okay to you know pretty decent to read and you get the idea across so yeah. you know and it's it looks it looks like kind of at least pleasing to the eye so um yeah i try to do that but uh, i'm always like that that's the thing with comics like you're always learning and always uh, or just like life in general, you're always learning new things. You can't really just stop and, you know, I, I don't know. I guess that's like being an artist or writer. You're always uh, evolving, I guess. Yeah. Well, and in the case of a letter, you're both an artist and a writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And that's the other thing, too, is like um, if I'm writing a story, I kind of like, you know, I already know where the word balloons are, are being placed. And I'm, I'm really big on pacing, you know, like story pacing and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, um you know, or how to set, you know, where they, where they all go and like set the tone and set the mood kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's another thing that's important too. Cause it's like comics is, uh, I mean, when I went to San Diego comic-con, I think it was back in 2001, um, there was like so many panels. And one of the things was, um, in comics, I can't remember who, I think it, was, it might've been Mark Chiarello who said, but there is no right or wrong way to do comics. It might have been Mark. I could be wrong. It was such a long time ago, but it was this DC editor saying there's no right or wrong way to do comics, uh, but there are certain rules that you know if you want to get ahead of the game that you should follow, kind of thing. But it's like you learn the rules first, and then you can bend them afterwards. Right. You know. So um, yeah, but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 that happens. That, that sort of thing's normal. Yeah, I had a friend who, you know, he and his son had done a comic, um, and what they, they wrote it, and then they hired it out. Matter of fact, they went through Jason Doobie, I believe, to get, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, I think that's where I met Jason was from following up on a conversation with these guys, but they... They did all this stuff, hired all these artists, and then hired some... I think it was... God, I'm probably going to get this wrong. But they hired a letterer who didn't do such a great job. They sent it in, and they got rejected. Yeah. Then they then okay. they paid somebody else and it got picked up by Caliber immediately. Okay, right, yeah. right. Okay. And so yeah. I'm always that's I'm actually working on putting an episode together just with letterers here pretty soon. Yeah, it's very um it it, it it's very important. That's the thing. They're kind of like the unsung heroes, mm-hmm. you know. Because I mean, they, and it's the thing that's like taken for granted. But I mean, you can really it'll like I mean I'll see like some um, indie comics that are not lettered well, like. And again, like I'm not a professional letterer or anything like that, um, but I, I like to try to just get the job done. Sure. You know, like it's like it's legible, it's pleasing to the eye, it's not jarring. But then there's some indie comics, and and then immediately it's like the editor and me will be like, oh, I would have done this and this and this. You know? Yeah, but, absolutely. But uh, yeah, no, that would be uh, great. There, uh, if you could get to Todd Klein, who's like uh, been around in the business for, geez, I don't know, since the I'm going to say the 70s. Oh wow. Um, Actually, I'm friends with a um, local comic book artist and writer, uh, Laverne Kinzierski, and he um, he's writing a book for Renegade Press right now called Hope, um, and he's uh, also the colorist on DC Comics Raven, and he started, um, I don't know if you remember, a, a company called Digital Chameleon back in the 90s. This is when computer coloring yeah, started. Yeah, I do remember the name and of that. It was, it was, who used them? Yeah. Somebody was... DC used them. uh, Yeah, and then that's like basically Laverne was one of the first people to realize that, hey, because he was a colorist in the traditional sense. And then um, when Photoshop came up, he's like, this is a much uh, versatile way. You know what I mean? It's a different tool kind of thing. Like, so um, he did that, and he and a few other local artists like Chris Chuckery, um, they basically formed Digital Chameleon and then started that. Um, So, you know, and you can get like, a lot more comics done more quantity and faster kind of thing. And, and sometimes a lot of ways better, but um, anyways, Laverne was, uh, had uh, shown me, he has like, I'll, like I'll go to his place and we'll hang out and uh, 
he'll show me like original comic book art and stuff. And, you know, it's just, I'll stare at it for like, you know, half an hour or whatever. And he showed me one that Todd Klein did like a sample and it is impeccable. Like just this man's lettering skill. So yeah, again, uh, letterers are really, uh, the unsung heroes of, of comics, you know? So yeah, that'd be Absolutely. great. So, so is, is Winnipeg yeah. a big place for comic book artists? Um, yeah. And <laughs> I'm going to say, kind. yeah, um, I would have never thunk it. Yeah, that that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of, like, basically any cities, basically anywhere that you think, like, uh, you don't know until there's, like, a convention or something like that. And then you see, so, like, we got, um, let's see, we got, uh, well, from the old guard, we got old guard. I mean, from the 20th century, we got Laverne who started. We got this guy named Nick Burns, uh, George Freeman, uh, who drew Captain Canuck in the 70s, and he drew um, a lot of stuff from Marvel Comics. He was, like, basically the first... Um, or one of the first pro comic professionals mm-hmm. in Winnipeg. Um, so you got Laverne, there's Chris Chuckery, um, and nowadays you got new guys like Nico Rudolph. Um, let's see, uh, there's Nico. I'm trying to remember all the names, and sorry guys if you're <laughs> listening. Um, Donovan Yasiak, who colored the first issue of uh, Lucha Mystery, so now he's coloring Captain Canuck. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, Scott Henderson, a uh, really good, uh, really good artist. Um, let's see, Greg Chomachuk. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, oh yeah, my friend uh, Marty Emanuel, <laughs> who's uh, doing comic. And um, yeah, and if sorry if I my mind just goes blank right now. I'm trying to remember. No, but, I just uh, I didn't realize yeah. there were that many there in Winnipeg. I always kind yeah. of think of that as being. Not well, you know. It's it's just like when I found out what a creative community uh, Salt Lake City has. I was just, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it's yeah. not L.A. or Vancouver, I'm always like shocked. Like, oh, I had no idea. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And so it's um, yeah. There's a, there's a couple of us certainly. Um, but yeah, it's 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 funny because it's like it's like we we all know of each like it's not like we're all super buddy buddy, but it's you know there is a group there, and it's all they're all great artists, you mm-hmm. know. So. Nice to see, you know, so, and especially when you see, uh, go say out of town, you see someone else from Winnipeg, you know what I mean? Then it's kind of, cause Winnipeg's like not that big. I think we're, uh, so what's the population? Yeah. Uh, 750,000. Oh, you. see, it's, it's, a, it's about twice as big as I realized then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a, it's, it's a good city, especially if you, if you, like, if you want to do, like, creative stuff, like, it's, um, it's, it's kind of good. There's, like, the communities are small and separated, but they're, they're, it's, it's there, you know? Okay. And if you look for it, you'll find it, yeah. So, well, some good stuff. Well, that's where my, my West Coast liberal bias kicks in. I don't really understand, you know, Midwestern and Eastern cities at all. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> did you, did you grow up there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I grew up, uh, here yeah well, all, all 31 years yeah. yeah well you know it could it could have just been one of those deals where you like transplanted at some point but you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. so i gotta ask then how did you end up hooking up with what well, so jason doobie who's the the publisher mm-hmm. of scattered comics and the great the greatest thing to happen to indie comics yeah well <laughs> so what it was is i kept you know i do interviews with people like yourself who do indie comics and I don't care if they came from San Mateo, California, or somewhere up in your neck of the woods or back east. I, I kept yeah. hearing Jason Doobie of Scattering Comics, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I basically, mm-hmm. oh, sorry. No, what was your question? I'm well, sorry. No, 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 what I was going to say is, so I certainly agree with your statement there that it seems like he's doing more for indie comics than just about anybody is. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, actual indie. I don't count Image as an indie comic company. Oh, and there's all only the Greyhounds in the room. Okay, um, I don't count that as an indie comic company anymore. But um, so, how did you how did you fall in with Jason? Um, well, basically, um, I was starting Luch, and when I want to release Lucha Mystery, um, I figured, well, I'm not gonna just submit it. Like, I'm not just gonna do a few pages and then that's it. And like, oh wait, I'm gonna wait till the entire book's done. So my plan of attack was uh, once the first issue is like in the can. Then I'll submit it around, and if no one picks it up, then I'll just publish it myself, right? So either way, it's 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 getting out, right? Um, so I went online and saw, basically did a search of what companies were taking uh, creator-owned material, um, and I, I think I submitted to about eight companies, and 
um, like I saw Scatter Comics, and there was a friend of mine. Or when originally, like Lucha Mystery uh, in 2010, I did a, an issue, but it's called Los Luchadores Mysteriosos, which is essentially like Lucha Mystery is like the revamped reboot kind of deal, okay. kind of thing. Because um, I had big plans for it in 2010, but it just everything fell uh, fell apart, and I just uh, you know kind of lost interest. And then you know, so here we go, uh, second time around. Uh, and I think got, I can draw a lot better now than I could in 2010 um, and write a lot better, too. That's for sure. Um, anyway, so um, back at the in 2010, I was uh, with a, a collective or, a, I guess, a small publisher called Ronin Studios. Um, and there's a, a book called The Edge. And it was by a guy named the writer was Marvin Wynn. So I noticed that Marvin years later was. The Edge was being published by uh, Scatter Comics. So then, you know, I just sent Marvin a message and like, hey, uh, remember you from the Ronin days? And it's like, what's Scatter like? Are they any good? And he's like, yeah, they're fine. They're great. And I was like, okay, cool. I just wanted to, you know, double check on that. Um, so anyways, I did submissions and um, other creator-owned stuff, uh, other creator uh, publishers that were taking creator-owned stuff. Um, most of them said no. Um and but it wasn't is either that they're not taking other titles at the moment or they just they're like um, your book is it looks great but it just doesn't fit in with what we're doing so you know that's fine um, so it wasn't like any kind of like negative feedback it was just like a a no um, but scatter was like yeah we'll take it <laughs> and uh, so that was good and uh, that's how I met Jason he's just been really like I mean he helped me uh, he basically made the trailer uh, on YouTube for. Uh, my comic book. So, you know, that, that real, that was one thing he helped, uh, everything else. He also helped find uh, the new colorist for issue two. So that really helped out immensely. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the cool thing that he does is he runs also a, uh, what would you call it? An artist referral program where you can come to him with like <laughs> a script or an idea and he can put the rest of the team together for you. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That I think is a great idea. I mean, that, uh, you know, um, I, yeah, I think it's a really good, uh, really good and handy resource because I was like Donovan wasn't able to do issue two, and I was like okay, and then I was like okay, what do I, you know, I'm gonna have to find colors, but it really helped that Jason was like, well, here's like you know four colors to choose from, and then I was like okay, I like this guy, and is he available? And then he did it, and um, his name was Diego Vasquez, and he's from Mexico City, and uh, he already colored the cover to issue two, and it's just it's great. So and it was. Um, yeah, and I owe it all to Jason. So. That's amazing. Um, yeah. so how? Well, let's talk about this real quick then. So your book is called Lucha Mysteries. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, first off, I got to ask. I know you're a wrestling fan, but is is, is <laughs> yeah. the lucha is the lucha style uh, popular in Canada? Um, yeah, I mean it's um, yeah, I mean wrestling's popular, and yeah, I mean we have like um, I don't know where do I start? Uh, okay, well, if you're a wrestling fan, like Chris Jericho's from Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. And like he he wrestled in uh, Mexico. He also wrestled in Japan and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, there's um, I guess the lucha culture obviously is not as like people know about it here in Winnipeg. Um, but I mean it's obviously more embraced in like Southern California, right? Texas. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like that kind of thing. Um, and and that's fine. But yeah, people know about it and stuff like that. And they, you know, most people. I mean, I've never had anyone say like your book absolutely sucks. So, <laughs> you know, most most people look at it like, oh, cool. So, you know, so either they'll buy it or they'll just be like, oh, cool, and walk on. <laughs> thing. But uh, yeah, no, wrestling um, is always. I mean, I don't know. Like Roddy Piper got his start in Winnipeg. Yeah, and then um, that you know, and as you realize that, his accent begins to make more sense. <laughs> totally yeah. does. So. Um, yeah, he, uh, got to start here. Um, and of course we got like the, the Hart family, you know, from Calgary. So, I mean, they're, um, you know, I mean, Bret Hart could arguably be one of the, uh, you know, it's like one of the best wrestlers in history. Mm-hmm. I mean, mind you, Chris Jericho is too, but I mean, that's just, it's, just, you know, I would have liked him even if he wasn't from Winnipeg, but that just sort of put it know, over the top for you. Yeah. yeah kind of like, okay, well, you know, if this guy can, you know, take it this far then you know you can do so it's kind of that's kind of inspirational actually very inspirational oh yeah so well it's that's what i can get i can get kind of nerdy about chris jericho because he comes from an era where guys like him literally had two Mm -hmm. two markets they could work in mexico and japan yeah right and then guys like jim Cornette and paul Heyman took a risk on chris jericho specifically 
mm-hmm. and guys that were like him and that other Canadian wrestler who I don't mention anymore who would have only yeah. ever made it in Japan and Mexico could suddenly make a living in America doing it. Yeah. 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 So nice. Jericho was one of the pioneers. One of my all-time favorites, of course, is Dean, Mal- Dean yeah. Malenko. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I think he was Florida is where his family originated from, but he yeah. had that I remember th- that style that worked well with Jericho, too. Oh, and they had the uh, feud in WCW yep. about the man of a thousand and one holds, so Jericho's like, I'm the man of a thousand and four yep. holds. Armbar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like you know, it's um yeah we're gonna we're gonna watch WrestleMania tomorrow going <laughs> to a friend's house to uh dear <laughs> yeah well I'm actually gonna be starting a uh, podcast with a former wrestler uh probably halfway through this year and the first episode we're gonna do is greatest world champion of all time and I I okay. think the three people that are gonna end up coming out in the top three spots are gonna shock people because they're not. Two of them aren't anybody you would suspect, and one of the guys you would suspect will not be on the list. Okay. So that's going to be fun. I'm a big old-school wrestling fan, but I don't really care for what Vince McMahon has done to wrestling in general. Uh, They just need good – I mean, I – here's the thing. Like, in the late 90s, I think it was like – and this is just me, like, total fan speculation. I don't know anything. Yeah, yeah, I I got you. um, It just seemed in the late 90s, Vince was just kind of like, let the guys – do just be them, you know, like just go roll with it. Be like, here's a thought. Just be a wrestler. You don't need a gimmick or anything. Like Stone Cold was like, just be yourself. Let the rock was just himself amped up to 11 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like they just like, just go out there, talk trash and put on a good match and fans will get behind it. You know, instead of like, I don't know, goddamn mentor or whatever the hell it was like, yeah. you know, back in the mid nineties or, you know, um, stuff like, I mean, just, keep it simple and you know and and that and in the late 80s they like titles also meant something like they only had like you know for uh what they had um the heavyweight uh, intercontinental a tag team and then they had like a women's championship and that's it you know and like have it mean something have your have your feuds mean something you know like just don't just have like a match like give it like a reason why but don't make it super convoluted either (laughs) You know, like, well, one of, one of my biggest problems is, you know, they they destroyed the wrestling worlds. So they got they destroyed the territories. They did all this stuff, and then they became really the only game in town. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And then it just became every show is um, okay. We're gonna have eight minutes of this guy's theme music playing, and then he's gonna come out and talk for a second, and then some theme music's gonna play, and then this guy's gonna talk talk for a few minutes and then some theme music's going to play and this guy's gonna, uh-huh. and it's the theme music show and i'm just sick of that that just drives me wild yeah it's 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 kind of it's kind of overdone you know what yeah. i mean like it's don't constantly i mean it's good to have it you know especially for shock kind of value but don't oversaturate it like um that's the thing like i thought like um 2011 summer of punk like when cm punk I was finally like, okay, they're going to blur the lines of kayfabe. And, um, you, you know, it's like, cause everyone knows that, okay, wrestling's a, you know, the matches are predetermined and, you know, they're, these guys don't really hate each other, you know, or whatever. Um, and I kind of liked it back in the eighties that you weren't sure <laughs> what was going on, but now it's just like, oh, you know, who's, you know, like you can almost like guess the outcome oh, yeah. of stuff. And as a fan, I want to still be surprised, you know, like, I mean, uh, for example, like currently, like, like, um, I'm actually more interested in the women's wrestling now, <laughs> the men's storylines, like, a, like Oscar and, and Charlotte Flair, like that's the match I'm looking forward to because I really don't know where they're gonna go with that, you know. So it's kind of like, and they're both really good wrestlers, so I'm really looking forward to that. And I, I just like you, I know that the matches are predetermined and, and all this stuff, and I know that they're all just working together to put on a good show, but could you at least attempt to make it? You know, with suspension of disbelief, you know, like just try. And I just didn't, um, that was kind of lost. And that's when like CM Punk came out or when he did the summer of punk kind of thing. I was like, okay, great. This is getting cool again. You know, this is getting interesting. And they totally just dropped the ball on that, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I put up an argument that once kayfabe was broken and actually broken and they just went, yeah, we're phony. That ruined wrestling almost for the, the modern era. Uh, and you'll notice that every time it's gotten hot again is when there's something going on that makes you doubt its uh, fakeness. The NWO. Exactly. Yeah, the NWO. Uh, yeah. Punk. 
um, the yep. first couple times Vince McMahon turned into the dickhead boss that everybody had to fight against. Yeah, and that was that was cool. That really, you know, and that was actually like a great move on his part because it just got people watching it again and like, oh, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. And that's all you have to do is like, and you don't, you don't, you don't have to, you know, like keep, I don't know, keep the bring back the kayfabe at least or something. You still blur the lines a bit, yeah. you know. Well. It's, I don't know if you're keeping track, but, um, you know, Billy Corgan bought, uh, the, what was left of the NWA, which is basically the world title and yeah. a couple of trademarks. And they've been, they've run a couple events on different shows where that title's been defended and, you know, switched hands and done this, that, and the other. Yeah. I think we're actually going to see a return of the territory system here pretty soon where different championships will float between promotions. Yeah, it just it just might very well happen. Yeah. Uh, just as a because uh, who? Yeah, I mean that that could very well you know be an option. Well, because let's yeah, let's compare it to comic book artists now and things. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. There's there's guys out there that have you know um, oh what do you call that? They're exclusive to one company. But most okay, most yeah. people who do something artistic or you know te- or technical in that way are freelance to the point where they have to go out and hustle and find the next gig. And, you know, kind of like the guys that work for Jason or that you hire for colorists, they're, yeah. they're, they're trying to turn over work fast. Well, mm-hmm. one of the things with pro wrestling is they've always been treated like freelancers, even though they weren't given the freedom to freelance. Yep, but, that's right. But yep. now you have guys like, um, oh, Johnny Nitro have, mm-hmm. fig- oh, have yeah. figured out how to make a living without working for Vince McMahon. And, oh, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. um, well, Kenny is actually uh-huh. underrated. Oh, I, I was going to say Johnny Nitro, I think, is like horribly underrated. Oh, probably. But, yeah. But now you got these guys that are out there hustling. Uh, Cody Rhodes is another one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I'm sitting there. I am wearing today my The American Dream Son of a Plumber t shirt today as we record. <laughs> um, but. You know, these guys, they can now make a living kind of moving around between, you know, Indies and ROH and selling their own T-shirts and New Japan. And there's an explosion of small companies now, kind of kind of like comic books as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's and, you know, it's it's like Pearl Jam said, it's evolution, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but so we're, It's kind of interesting where it's going to go. Well, know? yeah. Like, and, the, you know, every year I keep reading about how the amount of people buying DC, Marvel, and Image comics are slipping. But, you know, every year I go to these conventions and I see indie guys selling out of stuff. Yeah, you know what? One of the things here, – here's my thing. It was just, like, talking about comics, like, when it comes to editorial. Um, with my books, what I want to do is, like, okay, like, Lucha Mystery takes place in 1964, mm-hmm. right? And it's going to take – like, everything is going to happen between 1964 and 1965. And I got – I'm gonna do an. I'm doing another book, starting by another book called Murder City Devil, and that takes place in present time. But I like comics that take place in real time, like say Savage Dragon, okay, like uh, or Nexus, like what happened twenty, you know, when it was published twenty years ago, that happened twenty years ago, right? You know what I mean? I like to, um, and I like to see that change. Um, you know, I understand like with Batman or Spider Man, you got to keep something status quo, but it would be nice to see it evolve even a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like, just, um, like, a, this is just me. Like, uh, remember Spider-Girl, like, from the 90s? Yeah. Um, okay. And that was, I thought that was, like, really neat because it's like, okay, what what are the, what's happening with Peter Parker? And what, oh, okay, now he, him and Mary Jane have a daughter, and of course she has power. And I thought that was, like, really neat, you know? Um, that was the other, like, I just would like to see, I'm not saying, like, have Batman be, like, you know, super old or anything, but a little older now, like he should be about dark night age kind of would be kind of neat. I don't know. Or just like, I'd like to see characters evolve if not, you know, not in real time, but a little bit for like, you know, Peter Parker would be now 30 or something or in his mid thirties, but he can still go, you know, he can still go as Spider-Man, you know, like just something. I don't know. Did you, it would just be did you see the comic that John Byrne did? Oh, probably 20 years ago called uh, Superman, Batman generations. Yeah, I did, and some of it was neat, some of it was okay. Yeah, you're right, but, but it was it. It kind of followed your idea there, where you actually watch yeah. them age as the story runs. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of, I kind of like that. I mean, that's what I do with my comics. Like, I mean, um, you know, like if, like again, like 
with Lucha Mystery, it takes place in, the stories take place in 1964 to 1965. Um, and then, um, you know, so if it was nowadays, like Ray Diablo would be dead, you know, cause he was like born in like, you know, ni- the late twenties and stuff yep, like that. So, um, but I'd have like, you know, some sort of legacy go on or, you know, whatever. I just, but I like that kind of stuff. Like, like I said, with Savage Dragon, like now his, uh, dragon son is the Savage Dragon. So I, th- I think that's kind of neat, you know? And if you want to read the old stories, then read the old stories. Yeah, absolutely. Still there. The only problem, but, the only problem I have with that is the two or three interactions me or friends might have with Eric Larson. The guy was a, the okay. guy was a dickhead. All right. Cap, capital okay. D. He he uh he he kind of badmouthed my kid right in front of me about 15 years ago. Oh, and, and okay. Yeah. To I, the point where I wanted I, to punch him in the neck, you know. And and oh, wow. then years before that, a buddy of mine tried to get an interview with him back in the uh, zine days of the 90s, and okay. was basically told to lump off. And then something else happened to another friend. It's just enough that even if I don't have the details, I still have the anger, you know. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I met him once and he was, he was yeah, all right. Well, you know, <laughs> not everybody has a great occasion. I mean, it could just be I heard every bad story, but, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really – I'm trying to think of creators I met. No, I don't really – I mean, I can tell, like, sometimes I want to talk to them, but they're just busy or just whatever. It's like, I got to go. I'm like, that's cool, but I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I met uh, Eric uh, – Jesus, like a San Diego – no, I met him in Chicago, Chicago Con 2004, and – as a friend of mine and I were doing a, a book, it was called Hardcore Ray Gun. Hi, Jason. And um, we uh, sent it to him, or we sent, we went to his table and like, and he just, you know, we were like, we don't expect you to give us like, you know, to do a review now, but here it is and stuff. Here's our sample. And what day's like, oh, this looks pretty nice. So I was like, okay, well, that's not a denial. No, that's <laughs> so, cool. Yeah, that's that was it. But I mean, you know that. Um, yeah, that, that was okay. But yeah, I'm sorry to. Uh, it's it's not always. It's never pleasant to, uh, you know, meet someone that you, you know what I mean, like kind of admire. And it's like, oh, great, you know. But I guess that's life sometimes. So yeah, no, yeah. It, it doesn't get up my nose too bad. He's just one of the ones that I'm just like, geez, I, every interaction, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, so let's talk a little bit about your book since we're starting to wind down on time here. What is Lucha Mysteries about? Lucha Mystery uh, is uh, basically the adventures of Ray Diablo and other super-powered luchadors uh, uh, that run around and save San Diego in 1964. Um, basically, uh, I have it like in the first issue, uh, now available on IndiePlanet.com and Comixology and Comics Drive-Thru, um, is that uh, basically it starts off with... Um, Basic wrestling, you know, luchador wrestling federation or whatever company. Um, uh, the U.S. government shoots down a flying saucer while the luchadors are having an outdoor battle royal. Um, the fallout from the saucer basically gives them superpowers, but you find this, uh, with the, uh, following issues. Okay. So there's like one luchador in the first issue, um, Phantasma Verde or Green Ghost. That finds out he can turn invisible. Um, issue two, uh, Ray Diablo and the other luchador, uh, Ave de Fuego, um, they start discovering their kind of developing powers. So as the, as the series goes along, um, these luchadors discover powers, but then they're like, a lot of them are like, well, what do I do with this? Some of them want to be superheroes. Some of them want to be superstars. Uh, some of them just are like, the hell with this. I'm just going to rob a bank because who can stop me? You know, kind of thing. So it it's basically follows like what they do with their powers kind of thing and how they deal with it. Um, and, and it's basically um, Lucha Mysteries is, is like my love letter to B-movies. Uh, I really love B-movies from the 50s and 60s. Um, and, and pr- pretty much like anything like that was shown on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, I was like, uh, was it about 20? No, it was about 18 years ago. A friend of mine lent me this, uh, book called, uh, Psycho, uh, Psychotronic Encyclopedia. Okay. And it was like a, a book, uh, that basically had every B movie and just reviewed it. So like, you know, Ed Wood movies, of course, and everything like that. Um, and, uh, Russ Meyer films and stuff. And, uh, I basically just loved, you know, I kept reading it and I was like, this is great. Or I really like, um, universal monster movies, you know, like from the thirties and forties, like Bela Lugosi and Bar- Boris Karloff and like Lon Chaney Jr. Um, and creature from the black lagoon and stuff. And, uh, I was like, I really want to do a book that basically encompasses all of that, you know, and just sort of melt, make a story, you know? So it, yeah, it's basically my, like I said, my love letter to all, all the B movies that I 
saw uh, growing, uh, watched growing up as a kid uh, or as a as an adult too. So yeah, right on. Yeah, uh, I, I I love all that stuff as well. And I have read I've read that first issue, and it, it okay. does have almost everything from that era you could want. Uh, yeah. it's got, you know, it's got elements of plan nine from outer space. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, uh, kind of, well, I, I don't want to give away too much, but all the things that were used to create paranoia in 1950s pulp fiction or movies, uh, you know, yeah. nuclear missiles, uh, aliens, the undead, uh, mm-hmm. Mexicans, you know, it's, it's yeah. all right there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that, uh, yeah, I, I just really, had, I've always had an affinity for that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. It's like, uh, it was like when I, when I was really young uh, to my school library, um, I don't know if you remember, like, I think it was a like Crestwood house. There was like these monster books and they were like black and orange. Like they, the cover, they were hardcover, but they had like orange and black and white photos. And they had like, um, you know, all the universal monsters and they had a Godzilla one. And it was just like really great stuff. So, I mean, this was like pre-internet and, like I just was drawn to this. Like there was like one of like the Wolfman and like Frankenstein and I just like got it. And then Godzilla and it was just, it, it, the, the books were for kids, but it told you about like how the movies were made and when they were made and what happened. And I was just like, that. I think that was pretty much the start of it all for the like, fast. And then there was, um, uh, there's this, this show, I think it was like from a channel from Detroit and it was called like not quite classic theater. So it would show like, um, House of Dracula and like Ghost of Frankenstein and stuff like that. Like, you know, all the classic universal monster movies. And the only one I could rent at the video store is like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, but I didn't care. It was like, <laughs> it's like one of my favorite movies actually. Close enough, so, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, and plus I like, um, I really like surf mo- movies, like beach movies from the sixties, you know, like that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I played in a surf band kind of thing, like, um, like Dick Dale and Link Ray songs kind of thing. And I really like that kind of stuff. So I was like, well, it's all like, actually, if you um, go to the YouTube uh, and like scattered comics trailer or channel and watch the Lucha mystery trailer, that that's actually me playing guitar. That's my, my old band Phantom Crasher <laughs> playing uh, the music on there. So that's really cool. No. Yeah. Um, I was, oh, I, I remember I was going to tell you. So there's, oh. there is a friend of a friend who I've become friends with because of the podcast. He okay. has written for TV shows and a couple movies. The first movie called Driven or Driver. The first movie called okay. Driver with Mark Dacascos. He wrote that. Um, okay. He was working on something with oh New Line a handful of years ago, and yeah. they, they go, "Hey, well, do you want to pitch?" Because he had written a Friday the Thirteenth book. They go, "Hey, do you want to pitch okay. a Freddy versus Jason script, or mm, or okay. you know, pitch an idea at least?" He's like, "Yeah." Yeah. So they get him in there, and he pitches Freddy versus Jason versus Penn and Teller <laughs> because he loves the old Abbott and Costello beat Frankenstein stuff so much. Yeah. That's what he went uh, in and pitched. I guess that meeting ended pretty quickly, though. What? I, I'm I, I'm a fan of Penn and Teller, so like, um, yeah, that's uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually really good. I- money to see that. Yeah, if I remember right, it's in the book that's called Slash of the Titans, which is about them trying to make Freddy versus Jason. They even quote him in there um, and talk about how that was his pitch. He's only got like a sentence or two, but I, okay. I remember when I first interviewed him, he told me that. I'm like, hold on, I have to like stop recording for a minute because I am just baffled that nobody would make that movie. Yeah, yeah. really, sir. Well, you know, who knows that... It could have, but like, yeah, I mean, I remember, um, like even in the 80s, like late 80s, like when I was a teenager, I was like, or junior high, I was like, why don't they have like Freddy versus Jason or Aliens versus Predator? You know, we all knew, we all wanted that, right? You know, like we were always kind of like, and then was it, um, Predator 2? There's like a shot in the show, like an alien skull. Yep. Yes, there was the on, on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, it took a while, but it, 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 it happened. So that's good. Oh, yeah. You know, well, at least, I love all the kind of the kind of nerdy stuff we get to do now that would never have been possible a handful of years ago. Oh yeah, and it's, it's funny because like it's funny how you look at stuff like especially like say uh, like Evil Dead for example. You know, like back when it came out, people were just like, oh, this is just a silly movie or whatever. You know, and then everyone's crazy for that or like zombie movies, right? Like, um, you know, just how like I guess like when in the eighties, it wasn't as popular. I mean, there was return of the living dead and there was like, you know, it's very like an esoteric kind of uh, genre, Oh yeah. you know, 
but then it's like Walking Dead is like a huge phenomenon. Like that's that's good, you know, that's cool. Um, yeah, just funny how like when it back in the day, people wouldn't even pay attention to it, but now it's just like a way of life kind of thing, you know. So like I, you wouldn't when Deadpool came out in like New Mutants '98, and I bought that comic. I was like, you, there's no way I would have thought like this guy would have had his own movie. Oh no, you absolutely know? not at the time. I mean, there's also no way I didn't think there'd be an Ant-Man movie ever. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's pretty cool because I've always liked Ant-Man, you know, or like um, Black Panther, which I still haven't seen yet. But um, you know, so I mean, that, that's kind of cool. It's like now, finally, um, after all this time, it's like you know, we accept you know Captain America and Thor in our lives <laughs> or something or Iron Man. I mean, he wasn't, you know, they were, those books were going to get canceled at one oh, point. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So you know. Well, yeah, it was, uh, you consider that yeah, they, Iron Man was like this nerdy character that only like people who ever read comics knew. He wasn't like ubiquitous like Batman or Superman. Yeah. And then that movie came yeah. out 10 years ago and just changed everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So like once again, yeah, that was the thing. Or even, um, you know, in 89, like, again, the, the Tim Burton 89 Batman film, you know, that because everyone just thought like, you know, of the Batusi, yeah. you know, and the, the, that show was great. I mean, it's a lot of fun, you know, but. No one took that, you know, and then it's like, oh, it's totally different that, you know, so yeah, you can have that and there's Iron Man, how they changed. Oh, wow. There's a Marvel movie that actually doesn't suck. Oh, <laughs> yeah. kind of, so, so that was kind of, I mean, cause up till then there was like that fantastic four movie that would never saw the light of day unless, <laughs> unless you knew a guy, you know, you can, you and, can get that now if you uh, search hard enough. Yeah. Do I, do no, I really you, you don't want to. <laughs> I mean, that was the same thing with Star Wars Holiday Special, and it was like, uh, I never wanted to watch it, and then, like, a friend of mine showed it to me, and it's like, yeah, you know, that... Yeah, I was was right the first time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, I'll listen to my instincts. But, um, yeah, it's kind of of funny how um, things, things, life works sometimes, you know, like, it's at, at the time, it's like, eh, big deal, but then it's like a whole phenomenon years later, you know. Oh, yeah. But, um, what the other one was, oh, the Justice League TV show they were going to make in the 90s. Mm, and I finally yeah. found a copy of that, and I was like, oh, my God. I'd rather brush my oh. teeth with a cheese grater than watch this. <laughs> oh, so you actually said Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, I can't uh, – I, I think i got better things to do with my time, like sleep. <laughs> yeah, at least, at least try to nap, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so Evan, we are running down on time. Yeah. So why don't you mm-hmm. tell us if people want to find more about you or your comics online, where can they look? Okay, um, we got um, Jason and I made a Lucha Mystery um, fan page on Facebook. Okay, so it's Lucha Mystery, spelled as sound, um, L-U-C-H-A, and then Mystery. Um, there's that on Facebook. Uh, we've got the scatteredcomics.com website. And you can find all the links to buy your issues of Lucha Mystery. Uh, I am going to have them in stores eventually, hopefully by end of summer. Um, so, um, yeah, but for now, you can go to IndiePlanet.com to get the first issue of Lucha Mystery. Um, you can go through uh, Drive Through Comics if you want a digital version. And you can also go to Comixology.com uh, if you want a digital version. So, yeah, you can, you can find me that way, yeah. Awesome. Uh, any yeah. is there any advice or any thoughts or anything you'd like to share with anybody who's considering getting into making their own indie comics and that sort of thing? Um, just just do it. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I spent I spent most of my early uh, youthful adulthood uh, thinking. So uh, I had a lot of self doubt, and just finally now it's like, okay, you're good. You know, we're good to go. It's like just get it done. Get it done, son. <laughs> You know, so and it's uh, so far, I mean, it's been it's been a lot of fun and a lot of positive feedback and really good. And uh, if anything, people are saying, when's the next one or the next one or when are you know, so that's the uh, it's like, OK, all right. So I will uh, answer those uh, that request. So, yeah, uh, I guess the only advice is, yeah, just get it done. Don't uh, don't work. Uh, I'm not expecting to make a million dollars or to reinvent the wheel or anything like that. I just want to tell my story. Uh, I just have some stories I want to tell and just get it out there. And just the fact that I got it done and it's like in printed form in a digital form, you know, that, that I'm satisfied. Yeah. With, have you, know? you actually held a printed copy of your book yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that the first, yeah. was that the first year works that you'd held? 
Uh, no, that's I've I've done some other uh, like I've been drawing or toiling in the indie world uh for other uh, writers and publishers since 2002. So yeah, I get when anytime I get like a a hard copy or printed copy of anything I've worked on, it's it's the best feeling. You know, it's just great. It's like okay, this is good. It's like this is real. This is a concrete thing now. This it, it's neat to have like something that started as an idea and now it's in printed form. You know? Yeah, and then. You just want to do the next one and then the next one. And then you just and then you look back and it's like, oh, here's a body of my work. And then at the end of the day, you can feel good about yourself. Yep. And then I got I'm going to end on a semi bummer of a question. But mm. it, it seems like there for a while after the recession in the States ended. And I know, it, you know, you guys kind of buffered along with us. But mm-hmm. comic sales were way down and then all of a sudden they came way up and now they're way down again. Are you worried about the future of comics or what are your what are your thoughts about the future of comic books? Um. I think it'll always be there in some form. Um, like we all, we all still like, most of us still like paper, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, and I, I don't, I think it'll always be there in some kind of form. Um, and there'll probably be printed comics, at least for, till we're our lifetime, you know, for us like to think. Uh, and there'll be digital comics, but hey, it's like, well, then I could read this while I'm on the plane or something, you know, or I can read this while I'm on the bus or whatever in transit somewhere. Um, but yeah, the, the storytelling will, we've been telling stories since the beginning of time, like right? it's humans, right? So I think that'll always be there. Um, but who knows? Like, I don't know. I don't think it's going to go away. It'll probably change. How exactly? I have no idea. But, uh, the the stories will always be there and we'll always have our heroes. All right. So any, anything you want to add before we wrap up? Uh, buy my comic. That'd be great. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. And also when we uh, publish this episode on Tuesday in the show okay. notes, we will have links to the places where your comic can be bought. So if people don't have time to write it down or if they're in the car, they can always yeah, sure. catch a link on their phone or pick it up later when they read about it. Um, okay. So I guess in the meantime, Scattered Comics would be the best place to go looking for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be uh, I'm there. So, yeah, you can do that. Or uh, the, the Lucha Mystery uh, uh, page on Facebook. Okay. Uh, and that is, I mean, do you have a, a quick address you can give us on that one? Um, I guess go on Facebook and type in Lucha Mystery. Okay. Well, yeah, some, <laughs> sometimes people do a short URL or something for stuff like that. I just yeah, yeah, that's okay. Not a big deal. All right, Evan, thank you very much for doing this. All right, thank you, It's been a lot of fun. I will keep you in my Rolodex for when I need uh, comic artists and people to come on again. Sure, okay. I would appreciate it. And everybody else, you can catch us at geekishcast.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekishcast. I tweet from at the geekishcast because I don't like to keep things consistent. I am on Instagram, but it's mostly pictures of my dogs or whatever beer I'm drinking. Um, all right, well, bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>